Well, we're past day one of the Powell testimony, but don't you worry. We've got day two coming up tomorrow. We also have a lot of other central banks meeting this week, and we have a lot of topics we're going to talk about today. So make sure you buckle up your seat, grab your popcorn. Here comes the trade-off. Well, as I buckle up in my seat, I don't even know what I was talking about there. Um, we're going to be we're going to be breaking down all the themes, all the big landmines, trends, and setups in the market in this wild wild world of trading. So make sure as we go through the trade off, if you have any comments, jump in the comment section down below. Make sure you give our team a big thumbs up for their efforts today. And while we're at it, let's bring in the big man Quasar from Pepperstone joining us today. Quasar. How are you, buddy? Surprise, I'm back. Pretty good. Yeah. You know, I, it was a surprise for me to have you back, and it, it's a pleasant surprise. Don't don't get me wrong, but when I saw <laughs> the message that uh, Westy was um, embarking on his long trip back to Australia, and you had to take the helm once again, I'm like, hey, it's all right. It's like old hat with us. I'm happy to be here, and yeah, yeah. Chris decided to take on, uh, I guess, a couple of extra days. They have, the wedding might have gone quite. A while, uh, but yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be with you, Blake. Happy to be with the English team. It's always a pleasure for me to be promoted to the big stage. Uh, and yeah, I mean, definitely a week. Maybe not as crazy as last week, but definitely a week that's still quite interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. We've got, uh, we've got, like I mentioned earlier, we got the PAL testimony. We got day two coming up. So it was interesting watching him and more more i think more important more um interesting is really the politicians and the questions they they have to ask for their stitch constituents that's always more the entertaining part but uh needless to say it is bringing a little bit of volatility and a little bit of life and we still have a couple of central banks to go so with that being said let's go ahead and jump into topical thunder Well, you know, I know um, the Mr. Michael Brown from uh, from um, TraderX and also my colleague Ryan Littlestone uh, over at Forex Analytics have already discussed the Bank of England, but it is really coming up tomorrow morning or late tonight, depending on wherever you're at. For me, it's going to be early in the morning, but we have the Bank of England tomorrow, but there was a little bit of a, you know, I think there's a lot of estimates about the Bank of England about how they're going to at least raise a quarter, but the inflation data that came out today, um, it, they, it came out really hot. So my question to you is, Quasar, and I'm, we're going to go over this and I'll, I'll talk about what I'm thinking here, is has your playbook changed at all? You know, all the comments from the Bank of England are that they are going, they're, they're kind of in a pickle. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to raise rates too quickly because they don't, they don't want to put the, the U, UK economy into a deep recession. Uh, but they're still plagued with inflation. It's obviously stagflation is the definition of that. Um, you know, and they're they're really worried about what, you know, how, how the economy is going to fare if they raise by another, you know, uh, half a percent. And there's so many critics of the Bank of England right now. And, and I know that everybody's everybody's after them. The fact of the matter is inflation did come in very hot. Um, and the question is, are they going to be hawkish? Are they going to hike a quarter and be hawkish? Or will they actually go a full uh, 50, uh, 50 basis points? Now, uh, when you look at the sterling, my play is looking, well, first of all, I have to just 
without looking at the charts, I'm going to tell you right now, the cable's in breakout territory. While we're above 126.80, 127, it's breaking out to the upside. And I know a lot of analysts and a lot of uh, traders didn't expect that breakout. And the fact of the matter is it is breaking out. I think if we dip back below 127, 126.80, I am going to start uh, probably shorting the cable or at least the sterling against crosses. That's kind of my playbook. But I'm also looking for how about a hawkish surprise or how about that we do get you know, a, a 50 basis points. Does that put the pound dollar up at up at uh, around 130? And if it does, I think I'm a seller up there. Does it change your playbook at all, Quasar? I think in the single moment that you go from actually maybe not going through a disinflation process as fast as you want it to one where you actually are getting hotter numbers than expected, it definitely changes the the game ball. Um, just for the viewer's perspective, we're talking about inflation in the UK that you know portrayed above the market expectations for the headline 8.7. We're talking about 7.1 on the core front. This is the highest level since 1992. And definitely, it definitely puts the Bank of England in a very tough position, as you mentioned it, like how further more do they have to rate hikes in order to actually put a lid on inflation? Because now, once again, we're not talking about inflation not coming down as fast. It's accelerating in the United Kingdom. Also, just for the viewers' consideration, we're talking within the G20. It's only behind Argentina and Turkey, the levels that we're seeing in the United Kingdom. That tells you something. And from a technical standpoint, the other day I was looking at the British pound um, against the dollar chart, and it definitely broke recently. I think it was above the 61 80 Fibonacci retracement level from all the downside movement that took previously. Um, so def definitely we're talking about something that is changing. And when we get to compare it against the United States, we're talking about in the United States, we have inflation and at a level where at least interest rates are higher than inflation. That's not the case in the United Kingdom and definitely there. And I think it goes in line a little bit with the labor market there. And it's kind of like a result of what happened with Brexit. They're having trouble with getting people to, to incentivize labor participation in there. Brexit is also another factor that's contributing. I personally believe that's the case with the, those high, high levels of inflation. So yeah, it's a complex situation. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, it's expected to be a 25, um, rate hike tomorrow, but I wouldn't totally discard 50 on the table, just given how strong today's CPI number came on the United Kingdom. So are you a, are you a, a, a pound bull or bear? I, th I mean, technically speaking, it seems like it's already above a key level. And I mean, I'm just going to follow price action if it comes down before that level. I mean, it's not too much. I mean, it could still be considered a fake fake big breakout. Um, but yeah, so far uh, I'm still on the upside. And that inflation be, is proven to be right. I was gonna say that, would, that would end up being a pretty, pretty nasty break if that happened. Well, let's move along to your next topic that you have here. Yeah, I mean, and definitely this one, we have to start with a risk disclaimer, just because it is with regards to politics, we're talking about here, the rela uh, political relations between the United States and China. And as you all may know, it's not been the best over the last years, pretty much since the Trump era, it's been a very complex situation. Um, but yeah, once again, this is like politics uh, tend to be very complex. A lot of the times they don't make sense. 
And they are done in that way just because, I mean, you don't want to let your adversaries know your next move. That's how it, it, it I personally see that dynamic. Uh, nonetheless, it seemed like over the weekend there was some good progress with regards to, you know, them trying to build the relationship, just kind of like giving a little bit of perspective. Previously in November, Xi Jinping and Biden, they agreed on trying to improve relationships. And uh, Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken, was supposed to go to China. Then we had some spy balloons. Then that dropped the whole process of trying to improve the relationships between those two economic powers. And yeah, recently um, that trip ended up happening this weekend. And so far, so good. Everybody was happy. We did some progress. Blinken mentioned that they had done some significant progress with regards to trying to improve the relationship and avoid conflicts down the future, down the road. Uh, even Xi Jinping mentioned that there had been some progress. Biden had said, hey, good job with this trip. And then all of a sudden, Mr. President mentions that Xi Jinping is a dictator. Um, China definitely doesn't take it uh, that positively. They say that it's a violation of China's diplomacy, its provocations. Um, seems like we advanced, we took one step forward, two steps back. And yeah, it's a complex situation. But I guess the question that I want to ask you is with regards of if they are really trying to improve their relationship, what will that entail from an economic and financial perspective? In a, in a global scale, of course. Well, uh, you know, the the fact of the matter is, China needs us, and we need China. I mean, that's that's the the, the facts, right? Like, we have a fentanyl problem here in the U.S., and a lot of those imports are coming in through China, uh, if not a majority of them, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, and we need to try to control that because it's killing a lot of um, Americans here in our country. Uh, the the other problem is that China needs us. They need our consumers. They, they just reopen their economy. And as you can see, you know, one of the issues that China's having is their reopening just kind of fell flat on its face. And um, China's growth is slowing. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, talks of a lot of um, high level uh, 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 tech executives that are heading to India to, you know, to, to possibly move over there. So the U.S. needs China China needs the U.S. They're trying to play nice, but right in the middle is Taiwan. And and uh, I think that the tensions are still going to stay really high. Obviously, Biden didn't help the situation at all. And and it's going to it's gonna probably stay rather tense, which that's one of the geopolitical risks that we have in the market. And that takes us to our next topic. And this is a a topic that I wanted to talk about today with you, uh, and I want you to think about some of the things that I say here, Quasar. Um, talk about the markets, and we want to talk about, is it time to really fade the market? But more importantly, I really wanted to have a bull bear conversation. And I know you're, you're starting to lean in towards the bear market. <laughs> I'm not going to give away. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know what? I'm not going to give away the, the goose here today for the trade-off, because you all need to make sure you stick around for the, for the setups and the trades that we've got coming. But I do wanna talk about the bullish and the bearish case. So let's start with the, the bull case, all right? So what do you got? Let's speaking of China. China, uh, you got the PBOC that's cutting rates. Uh, I heard one analyst call it surgical cuts. You know, it's not a big cut, it's just little surgical cuts here and there, you know, to the lending rates. You got that going on for the bulls. 
you got FOMO or what our our uh, our, our good buddy Chris Weston, which by the way, Chris, we miss you. Um, he calls it FOMU. It's the fear of underperformance. You know, you got all these all these you know institutions, hedge funds that are all chasing the market higher because they don't want to be underperforming. Yeah, most earnings are above expectations. Market breadth is improving. You got a lot of rotation. You even saw it today. Nasdaq was down pretty aggressively. The Dow rallied back a little bit and was a little stronger. Um, you got Apple near all-time highs. Uh, you got a strong labor market, which is still strong. And you know, I know every, a lot of people are questioning, well, hey, maybe we won't have a hard landing. Maybe there'll be no landing because look at the labor market. We all know that that's a later stage development in a, in, in a recession. But that's still part of the bull case. Disinflationary pressures, we see inflation almost globally, maybe not so much in the UK as aggressively, but inflation coming down. So disinflationary pressures. And people are asking, like I said, what recession? You know, I, I, don't, I don't see a recession yet. Um, the US dollar is still weak. VIX is weak. Dollar is weak. Cryptos are breaking higher. And it, it suggests that the market can live with high rates. Now, don't kill us, Mr. Producer. We're going to go a little long here. Um, but because I got I to I gotta give Quasar a chance to respond. But the bear, bear argument is yield curve is inverted. The Fed's going to be higher for longer. They ain't cutting rates for years. China's reopening fell flat on its face. The DAX reversed from all-time highs. Bonds are finding some support. Inflation's still well above target. Geopolitical risks, as we were just talking about with China, US, Russia, Ukraine, et cetera. You got some PMIs that are contracting, especially on the manufacturing side, which we're going to get a better picture on Friday. Woo! And the PE for the S&P is like, what, over 22? I mean, where do you land? You land in the bear market? Tell us why. <laughs> I do land on the bear market primarily. For me, it's all about the central banks and what they're try actively trying to do. And that's to still bring inflation down to their objective levels. And in that process, I mean, we have already seen it. And it's not just been in the US. And like literally you name it, we have had Bank of Canada, Bank of Australia, them all like, oh, wow, by the way, inflation is actually more stubborn than we had previously expected. And that is just gonna keep on adding more pressure. Yeah, there's been, market sentiment has been pushing, there's been dynamics, AI, there's been factors that have, you know, bigs. Um, literally, I had been doing a technical analysis on the bigs, and everybody hated it. And inside the, <laughs> let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, no. Personally, when I get to see the big factors, to me, yeah, it seems to me that it's been a breather in which, yeah, risk on took uh, took place. But the main factors that should be contributing to where the market could be going, um, yeah. I, Look at the curve, the inversion curve. Like it's at its lowest place. I was looking at it before the show. It's literally the lowest level in, I think, since the seventies, since the eighties. So, so you It's very hard to build a case for being bullish to me. You're you're obviously in the bear camp, which is totally fine. Which is totally fine. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I might be st sticking my toe in there too. Um, but I, I can't believe you brought it up and I didn't uh, AI for crying out loud. That's definitely a bull. That's definitely part of the bull case. Anyway, I know we could talk about this forever as far as the bull bear conversation, but I know we need to move along. So what did you bring for the fourth and final topic for us? For the last topic, I brought something that uh, the other day I was talking to Chris, which he actually made a great, even though he is on vacations, the guy cannot let the charts and the markets go. Um, but yeah, he was putting some 
very interesting perspective to what is happening with regards to emerging market currencies. We're in here tomorrow, just for the viewer's perspective. Tomorrow we have Bancico, the Central Bank of Mexico. It's supposed to take, you know, pursue or take or do its monetary policy meeting and in which it's expected for them to keep rates at 11 and a quarter percent. Um, same happened with um, Chile at the beginning of the week. And so far so good. They have apparently already reached the level in which they're actually doing quite significant progress, progress with regards to inflation. And now it's on the table, the perspective that they be, they could be potentially cutting rates. The interesting part here or where I'm trying to go is that we are talking about emerging markets where they are already considering cutting rates. And on the other side, we have developed markets where they are actually thinking of we need more. We need we still have more work to do. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about, you know, that differential that has been the main driver for the pesos and all <laughs> all their friends to be, you know, one of the most top performers, if you will, in the FX space, uh, the main driver there, it could be lowering that differential that has supported them. So I wanted to ask you if you have any perspectives on this and how could it play down the road for, for pesos and company? Well, uh, that's a good question. First of all, I love trading emerging market currencies. Um, I definitely, I've been trading the peso for years. I know a lot of peso, like predominant peso traders. So I traded a lot. I trade the RAND a lot. And you're right. Um, uh, Banksico has its rate decision tomorrow. And before that, they got their inflation data coming out. And, um, you know, when you start talking about interest rate differentials, what's a, what's a quarter point amongst friends, right? But I look at the like longer term charts of the dollar max and, it, and I see a big head and shoulder pattern, which I've been since 2022 and expecting uh, the dollar max to trade into the mid teens. Um, but I don't know if we're done yet. I don't know if I, I, I look at the 17 level that we're at right now. It's huge support. And I'm playing off of that support currently in my own book. So you call me short pesos right now. I am. Um, but I do think that I do think, especially if you talk about Mexico, Mexico is a really big play. When you when you kind of take China out of mm -hmm. the U.S. Your equation, <laughs> yeah, you know, Mexico becomes a destination for manufacturing. Uh, it's closer. It's cheaper than China. Uh, and, you know, I've known a lot of people, uh, CEOs of companies, of medium-sized companies, too, that have been moving their workforce from China to, over to Mexico for years. So I have a soft spot for emerging market currencies, and I think they're going to do well in the years ahead. Near term, though, as that differential shrinks a little bit, you know, if you can take the VIX off of being at multi-year lows and you put the VIX back up at 20, I think emerging market currencies might might uh, suffer uh, a little bit of a blow near term. But that's a big I actually. Hit. I actually wanted to add something with regards to what you mentioned, because it's very important. Um, yeah, we're still talking about a differential that could still be potentially 500 basis points. That's still something to keep them support. And I, as you mentioned, I personally believe that until there is global significant risk aversion, probably traders are still going to be taking those benefits. Yeah, they, it might be a situation where you can see some weakness, a short-term weakness, but until um, it's significant risk aversion at a global uh, perspective, I think they might still hold pretty good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's take it over to our best trade setups of this week. Mm -hmm.
All right, I get to kick it off, right? I get to kick it off. Hey, I get to kick off today. All right, let's let's, let's turn our attention to Ethereum. And I wanted to give a little bit to the bulls and I wanted to give a little bit to the bears because Ethereum is trying to break higher because Bitcoin, if you haven't caught it or, or seen it, if you're you know hiding under a rock somewhere today, Bitcoin broke above 30,000. And uh, you know it's on its way to making every um, coffee barista uh, manager extremely wealthy as Bitcoin continues to rally. Now, the question is, is it going to take Ethereum with it? And Ethereum is coming up towards what I would call channel resistance. So very big pivot level. And I'm sorry if you guys are trading Bitcoin and you're not a barista owner or, or manager. I'm so sorry. Um, we're working towards the, hey, I traded too. I'm joking. Um, we're getting up to the 1930 level. And 1930 is, is, is horizontal resistance. So if you're a bear and you think, eh, this Bitcoin, it's going to slip back below 30,000, you want to take it to the short side, you can short it right up against channel resistance. However, keep in mind, we did pivot off of the 200-day moving average. We are above the 50-day moving average, and Bitcoin is breaking out. So if Ethereum gets above 1930, it's a bullish breakout. How are you looking at Ethereum? Do you see it any differently? What are your thoughts here, Quasar? No, actually, I'm going to get into the crypto space later down in a couple of uh, charts, and I kind of agree on this. Setup, of course, it's for another cryptocurrency. I'm not going to spoil it just yet. Um, but no, to me, how I like to see whenever I get to see a downward channel on a daily is, wow, this probably it's a bullish flag from a weekly standpoint. And if you get to consider that the prior action is one where we, to begin with, failed to make lower lows, and now we're kind of like building on that positive price action structure, and if it breaks, let's go. Let's ride it. Let's ride it to the upside. Um, so, and I love it that you have a confluence um, resistance level right there, not just with the resistance of the channel, but also the previous lower highs within that structure. And I think it's a good entry point if it yeah. gets activated. All right, awesome. Well, uh, well, uh, Ethereum, a little bit for the bulls, a little bit for the bears. What's what's your next <laughs> setup? I have one that. Um, the Urian, uh, which it's worth mentioning. We're looking at a monthly chart where you are seeing basically price action from the 90s right there. And as we speak, we're literally trading at a really, really important resistance level, which happens to be the trend line coming from the uh, highs of 1990s. Uh, and here's the situation. Just because we are at a resistance level doesn't mean that this is the point where it all finishes. Personally, how I get to see it is that it might be a place where we could take a pause. Nonetheless, when you get to incorporate what has been happening previously from a price action standpoint, once again, we don't see lower lows. So in this case, it's one that from my perspective, it's one that cool still have room to go to the upside where the 38 um retracement of 30 point 38.20 from the movement from the highs of the 70s to the lows of the 2000s it's a very possible um destination now if we get to incorporate a little bit of fundamental into this perspective we're talking about one central bank that it's still I don't know if I'm actually even ever gonna get into the tight ends, you know, 
uh, cycle process and the other one were there hey we still need to do more inflation is high we need to do more so yeah this is something that i have uh, i you were previously mentioning that you you had this one on your radar i want to hear yeah. what was your thoughts on this one yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I talked about this, th these these monthly and weekly charts on my week ahead video that I do every week. And um, I brought up the Euro Yen, Aussie Yen, Kiwi Yen. And, you know, you, I, the point I want to make, what you said, think, think about this, 1990. What were you doing in 1990? I wasn't this even gonna, born. <laughs> this, well, wow, well, that's crazy. Okay, so for me, I was graduating high school and I joined the military and went off to boot camp. That dates me. You can obviously do the math and figure out I'm over 50. But <laughs> I, I was, I, I, you know, you think about how long, that was like a lifetime ago that we were at those levels. We were trading at some really key resistance here. Now, the one thing I wanna bring up about a weekly or monthly charts, you can get above that trend line or below that trend line by give or take one, 200 pips, and you're basically still on it. It doesn't really matter. You know, you're just around the area. You're within the vicinity. You're within the, this, the city block of big resistance around here. And I think that's the point that Quasar is making. And I think that's the point you have to take away from, from, from this. If you're out there buying the Euro Yen, you should be very well aware. We're at 30 plus years, multi-decade resistance. And I think that's the point, right? Right, uh, all right. Well, let's move on to my next setup, which is gonna be the DAX. And if you guys and gals have been listening to the trade-off show for any amount of time, you're going to say the DAX is, and then I'm going to let you finish the sentence. Now, most people will say dead, but look, we're on pretty key support here, uh, Quasar, and I'm going to make a, a point. You can see that circle highlighted area above the all-time highs. We had all-time highs last week, and we have reversed. We're back to trendline support. We are back actually right at the 50 DMA, and uh, we're at ascending wedge support. Now, if you're a bull, this is a place where you need to get long because you got the best risk reward to get long because it's you got 50 DMA ascending trend line. You just hit all time highs. Your risk is, you know, where your risk is. It's below that trend line. It's below like 16K. We're right at 16K, by the way. It's just, you know, a little bit below there. But if you're a believer in ascending wedges, which is a bearish reversal pattern, and you're also a believer that the false breakout of all time highs leading to a reversal is going to lead to a sell off then this is a short setup on a break below 16K. So a little bit more for the bulls, a little bit more for the bears. And you could say the DAX is dead, dead. alive, whatever <laughs> you want to say, but you can fill in the blank. So what do you think of the ascending wedge and the DAX here, Quasar? Oh, I got to tell you, Blake, rising, rising wedges are one of my favorite technical, conventional technical patterns. The reason behind it is... What it's telling you when you like a lot of the times the patterns come with super complex names and they sound super sophisticated but when you get to see the action what they're trying to reflect is one where yeah it has kept on going up but actually it's not covering that much territory and that is one indication that yeah you still hold the bad but actually you're not hitting that much which could potentially mean that there's there's the case scenario that you're actually out <laughs> or not out that you're gonna let the other party take place right um so yeah i love him for a reversal perspective and yeah, i mean i i like it to the downside i like risk did, to the did downside. i just 
Did I just add to your bear camp case? Oh, geez. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else do you have for us, Quasar? Um, similar in the sense that we are talking about an index, an equity index that so far seems to have found resistance, a key resistance, which in the case of the NASDAQ is the highs of March last year, uh, March highs. And this seemed to be, from a technical standpoint, the last line of defense. And I guess the point that I want to make here, do you guys consider the global environment one where we should be talking about all-time highs? Huh. That's where it gets quite complex to me, just to think that we should be thinking of making all-time highs when actually we're needing higher or additional rate hikes. Um, so yeah, having said that, is it one where it could be broken to the upside? I think it can. And here, if I have learned anything from this last couple of months is that you have to be very agile. Like don't try to marry for one perspective, hey, if the market is doing something, try to follow it. Um, yeah, you can still have your bigger perspective, what you align the most with, but just try to be very nimble. If it's going up, try to follow it. If you see a point where you can actually establish a short position that aligns with your bigger perspective, try to do it. Set very tight stop loss levels and try to always keep on that positive risk reward ratio. I, I, that's how I see it. I don't know. I, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this one. Well, um, first of all, that horizontal resistance that you have right there, it, it obviously it stuck the market, stopped it in its tracks. So that's something to keep in mind. Just above that level, NASDAQ 100, we're talking 15,443. Just above there is the 78% retracement of the November. 21 2021 highs to the October 2022 lows. So last year's lows. So the 78% retracement is just above there. So if you think from a Fibonacci standpoint, if it breaks new highs and then all of a sudden it stops everybody out and reverses lower and it hit, you know, 15,443 and you go, oh, hey, I heard on the <laughs> trade off that was a 78% retracement. You're not going to fool me. So just know that there is a key fib level, like a Fibonacci level, just above that resistance. But you know what, Quasar? It's gone really far in a very short period of time. So, you know, I was a little skeptical because <laughs> I know markets don't go straight up and they don't go straight down. And usually there's some backfilling. So, you know, could this give you a better opportunity to be on the long side, maybe down below 14,000? Maybe so. And for those of you that are bears, Maybe a little something for you too and getting short. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, this is the time that we bring you our play of the day. So let's see what we got. For a moment, I almost forgot what my play of the day was, but then I thought, <laughs> oh yeah, we're talking yen today. My my uh, my play of the day is going to be the dollar yen. And you, you guys have been you know, listening to me rattle on about the US dollar Japanese yen, looking for this 142.65 target. That's the big 618 retracement of the entire, you know, 2022 high all the way down to the lows in the beginning of 2023. Um, we got to that 618. Well, we got within a few pips. Also, there's 161% extension that comes in just above that around 143. Somewhere between 142.50, 143. 
I'm looking for a reversal. Now, the question that I have is, have we reversed there? I'm already starting, and I have been over the last two days, and my cost average is literally about where we're at right at this moment in time as I'm speaking. I'm already starting to inch my way into the short side. However, I'm looking for a technical break below 141 to start getting a little bit more aggressive, and then obviously below 138. That's where you know you have to be a yen bull on in that case. But I'm looking for a reversal up here. It's a garly pattern. It's something I've been waiting for patiently. So we're here. What you gonna do? You gotta take advantage of it. That's the way I look at it. All right, Quasar, what do you have for your play of the day? We're going back to crypto. And here seems like Bitcoin, I mean, it missed the party that was happening with risk on previously. Um, but yeah, there were some positive announcements with regards to, uh, to an ETF and, you know, Bitcoin has taken it pretty positively. And to me here, it's just a very technical setup with regards to it seemed like we got resistance on the 2360 Fibonacci retracement of the downside movement that took place out of like the 2020, at the end of 2021. Um, so it seems like hey, hey, we're going to be pushing to the 3820 um, after having also within this fake initial breakout of the 2360, um, having found support on that trend line coming from the lows of the end of last year. So, hey. I think if we're pushing high, go with it, have our stop loss right beneath the 23, and let's just you know follow the price action that in, seems so far to be in place for, for a movement to the 38, people actually retracement of 30.8. Well, isn't it, isn't it amazing, Quasar, that uh, you know institutions are talking about, you know, you got BlackRock talking about uh, you know, doing an ETF with Bitcoin crypto right when it was trading at 25,000, which was the big pivot that everybody had been looking at for years. And we just happened to be at that support and they announced, oh, we're going to be doing an ETF. And then all of a sudden, wham, bam, we're above 30,000. I'd like to, I, I, I bet you every one of those institutional guys that made that announcement that they were going to launch that ETF were like, look, I'm going to show you a quick way to make 20% on your money. Let me show you how. <laughs> So anyway, I'm glad you brought that one up, Quasar. And I'm always a skeptic when you talk about crypto, you know, but it is a great trading vehicle and it's very technical and that I love about it. So guess what? We're at the end of our show and I want to say, you know, thank you so much uh, from the Pepper, Pepperstone and Tradeoff staff here uh, for, for uh, sticking with us. If you have any comments, jump down below. If you have any thoughts about that bull bear market case, you know, what's it going to be? Bullish, bearish? Where, where do you stand? Jump in those comments. Give Quasar a big thumbs up for stepping in. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be out next week on a, on a family holiday. So uh, Westy's going to be back here. Who's he going to be back with? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway, I want to say, Quasar, thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to thank you all for spending your very precious time with us. And we'll Thanks, catch Blake. you next week, or at least somebody else will, on the trade-off. <laughs>